This episode of After the Show is brought to you by Odyssey. Odyssey are makers of headphones for gamers and audiophiles alike. You can check them out on www.audeze.com. That's www.audeze.com. You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Good afternoon and welcome to the show, Sitok. Is that what? What's wrong with you? You having a seizure? <laughs> no. <laughs> you were just listening to something because of something else, and it was sounded just like that. Yeah, I'll just drop it here. If you go to YouTube and listen to Why the song, do you song, say drop it? Oh my god! Listen to the song. <laughs> oh, Superman by Laurie Anderson. It's from the eighties. Don't judge. It's a cool song. It is a cool song. <laughs> Everybody should listen to it at least once in their lives. It's very long, but listen to it. Yeah, you gotta commit. True. So what's the before the after the show discussion, apart from that? Um, there wasn't much of one. We were just we're just existing in the same room together. We were really You looked talk- up some stuff about this movie and whatnot. That's and true. Set it. So it is Saturday, November the 28th. This is after the show 661. We're a movie review podcast. And uh, the movie we're looking at this week is Words on Bathroom Walls. It's a 2020 movie. It's actually on Blu-ray now. You can pick it up. PG-13, our friends at Lionsgate sent us a Blu-ray for review. So Sid Talk, you give us the, blah, 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 blah. You give us the mm. synopsis. And I will give you the one off the box and see if it is the same thing. First of all, there's not a lot of words on bathroom walls. So just going to put that out there right off the bat. Uh, it's a story about um, coping with mental illness. All right. And I'll give you the one off the box. Here we go. You ready? I'm always ready. Adam is a witty, introspective teen pursuing his dream of becoming a chef. When Adam is diagnosed with a mental illness, he lives in fear of being exposed until he meets Maya, an outspoken and fiercely intelligent girl who inspires him to open his heart and not be defined by his condition. With its inspiring journey of love, acceptance and hope, Words on Bathroom Walls is a triumphant story of overcoming life's challenges and embracing who you are. Yeah, that's a bit extra sappy. Um, It's wordy. (laughs) That's a wordy mofo. (laughs) And it isn't, I mean, it's not accurate. Spoiler alert, it's not all about her telling him that it's fine to be who he is. It's more about him figuring that out for himself. All right, so that's the synopsis. Let's get on to the movie. All right. All right, Sid what did you think of this words on bathroom walls? I really liked it. (laughs) The end. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just like, I mean, I appreciate the effort, 
Yes, some people are going to probably watch this and maybe even in some of your one star reviews and say, oh, you know, mental health. Can we just please stop talking about it and all that kind of stuff. But I actually find it really uplifting that instead of like everybody seems to think it's okay to do a movie about serial killers, right? Multiple movies about people who murder people and all that shit. But then to actually examine someone like this teenager who has a mental illness that could potentially and probably has in human history, right? Led a person to commit horrible crimes because it's a terrible mental illness. Right. To address that, I find I really appreciate that. I don't know anyone with schizophrenia. Do you? Have you ever? No. Not that I'm aware of anyway, but I find it really, I like the idea of addressing it. And I like, I actually liked the way they handled it. It's not like overly grim and um, dark and all the time. There is like hope and mm-hmm. um, it, but and it doesn't skirt away. I was, you know, sometimes these things are a bit like uh, sanitized. Yeah. Happy for, ending and all that. Yeah. But this actually, you know, it, it deals with like the drugs he's, he's been given and what they can do to you and, you know, it. It feels a bit. It feels realistic in a way, but then there's obviously. I will say this: I've never known anyone with schizophrenia, but I have lived with a man before I ever met you, darling, um, who was manic depressive, and so taking his medication or not taking the medication, you never knew. I never knew if I came home from work and there'd be trash bags on the windows. And him in subtle darkness and you just knew to stay away or everything's open and he's making music. He was like a musician. Still, he's still, he's not dead or anything, but, and everything was fine. And it was like super manic and like super productive or you're going to be in the bottom of a ditch emotionally, you know? So addressing that, and it all did depend on the different medicines and the balance and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's why I really appreciate their addressing it in a way that wasn't like, oh, happy endings, or this person's just basically a danger to society and we have to lock them away. Because that's kind of how we've always yeah, because dealt not, with it. Yeah, because not everything's like every extreme. There's like exactly. a middle area, which is what this... But, you know, it's, it's serious. This kid, you know... Sure. I mean, this is a fictional person, but I feel like the writer of the original book must have done some research. A lot of like. research. I was okay. just reading up on that. A lot of research on, uh, you know, different mental illnesses. Because right. originally it wasn't about schizophrenia. It was about um, anxiety. Right. But um, schizophrenia is, you know, hardcore, right? It's, well, it seems like, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but... It seems awful. I really liked in this movie the way they visualize schizophrenia because he has he's got people in his head talking to him that he's invented in his own mind. I don't know if he's invented them. I think they, or they just chose happened. him, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and and they're ve- they're across the spectrum. There's like a hippy dippy girl who kind of gives him love, kind of like she's positive energy. Yeah, and then there's like a violent. Um, protector character he's like a bodyguard he called it yeah a bodyguard and then there's another guy who's like a horny um like, he's just sort of the emo <laughs> teenage but not teenage. the one who's like type. come on guy you're gonna get laid come on he's that guy he never said that but. well you know that's he didn't actually say those words but there was he was more like just the guy who says whatever comes to mind that's even if it's inappropriate so these people actually you know you see them when he sees them and 
you don't always see them because like in the movie at one point he stops taking his medication I mean starts taking his medication which actually drowns them out right yeah so I like the way they were you know they kind of fade out like they're a computer program that is glitching and they disappear and then they come back whenever he's you know not taking his medicine but there's a whole thing about him not taking his medicine in the middle of the movie which I imagine if you're a kid like he is how old is he like 18 18 senior in high school so um you know you're dealing with this thing and then they give you some medicine and then you take the medicine and you feel a bit better but you also feel like foggy like he said yeah so he felt foggy but now, now he's not seeing those people in his mind but it's still not regular right yeah that's the balancing act, I guess, with the medicine and the exactly trying to feel like just a person feels. Who, but yeah, he goes, can't even say normal because, like, why? Do, what do we know? What do we know about normal? Right? What's are you yeah. and I, quote unquote, normal? Just because when we get up, we can function, right? Hmm. We can function, but then I think people struggle with severe mental illness, emotional addiction, whatnot, and they still function, but they're still suffering terribly so i don't and that they look normal right but they're to everyone else you know on the outside they're functioning they got a job they pay their bills they've got a house they've got a car they're doing all the stuff that looks quote unquote normal but on the inside so this is a person this this particular character can't function because it overwhelms him and he be he doesn't become violent but no. he lashes out or he becomes dangerous to himself because everything around him isn't real. And so he can't be the normal that everyone is trying to get him to. So, like, you know, he's he's this kid with the these pro- these problems. At the beginning of the movie, he gets expelled for his, from... No, expelled from his school for a reason. And then he goes to this Catholic school. And then, you know, hilarious because he's like, Mom, we're not even Catholic. And she's yeah. like, That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> like, the, you know, we're going here because they take kids like you kind of thing. Like, it's, you know, and then he, you know, he, ha- this Catholic school is immediately, you're like, Oh, well, a Catholic school is really strict and thing, but it's not, is it? It's when he looks in between the lines, it's just like his other school. Sure. All the kids are, you know, the same. <laughs> kids are kids. Of course. Right? It's not just about religion. But then he also has this... Well, you went to Catholic schools. Was it all about religion? No. <laughs> Apart from not. we had to say prayers every day and all that stuff. Right. But, um, and I'm not religious. Probably because I went to Catholic school. <laughs> oh, oh, those <laughs> fighting words. But um, he uh, strikes up this relationship with the priest of that school, which I, I really liked that. He didn't really. He went to... Confess, well, and the a, guy was it in was there. A relationship, but it wasn't like a feature of relationship. He went to confess, which he didn't believe in confession. The priest, the priest, then said a couple things, and then the priest picks up on the fact that this is a person in need more than just your standard horny teenager coming to me to confess, you know, masturbating in the bathroom. And then, as the movie progresses nearer the end, we find out he cares more. But there's not really a relationship over the course of the movie. Not like we think of, like you know. I liked that though. Yeah. Um, I like the honest conversation when he's in the confessional. He's like, I tell you straight off that I just don't believe in God. And he's like, well, you know, you could just come here and talk to me. Or it feels pretty realistic conversation. I, I'm, yeah. I, I kept thinking, I wonder how many priests 
uh, do open the confessional door and there's just somebody who doesn't believe in anything who just wants to speak to somebody. I wonder how many times that really happens. Uh, probably a lot, but the problem is they probably constantly want to convert them instead of doing what this character does and just Which like him breathe, takes like he- what he knows and what he believes and help this actual person who needs it not to be preached at but to take the lessons that he knows and help him out. Which- I think that's what I really liked about it because he, he wasn't, he was a priest, but he wasn't preachy. He was like, um, <laughs> yeah. he was like, I can, I kind of get what, where you're coming from and what you're telling me. And it, and his first reply was never like, you need to believe in the Lord and start praying. It wasn't that, was it? No. It was like, I like, I also liked the comeback that the, um, Kid give him about like you don't uh, like about you know when he gives him like verses from the Bible, just like, generic like yeah. And he his comeback was kind of like you know being what was it being like just quotes from the Bible basically. No, um, like obscure, like giving me like that. It doesn't make you clever kind of thing, it's right? Like, it, it makes make you, you full of shit, is exactly yeah. what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so you know there was a lot of dramatic stuff in it which i really appreciate everybody was like good act this good performances from everybody yeah i think it was really good in that the i think i just liked it overall i didn't really know where the story was kind of going i knew it was more like a slice of life type thing and it doesn't really necessarily have to go like to a full-blown conclusion but i guess it does doesn't it in a way yeah I mean, it leaves it open like this isn't a happy, happy ending kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he talks about happiness at the end, but you, you obviously know, like it even it even shows you with a door open and a noise coming from it that it's not going away. He even Correct. mentions at the beginning, there's no way of getting rid of this. Medicine might help you, like ignore it, but it's not a curable thing, which I didn't know actually. That was a thing that it educated me on. Yeah that schizophrenia is not something you, they just treat you and then you're fine. It, it occurs forever. Like, it never goes away. Unless you find the right balance of drugs and then maybe you... I think that's with any mental illness. I don't think you can... You can't fix it, right? You just mm. um, deal with it. And the way it's kind of portrayed here, and, you know, maybe it's even worse than that. Maybe... You, maybe... Like the guy on the bus, for instance, in this yeah. movie. And they did address that, that the homeless people you see... Just yelling. People who have actually... You know, no one's has a Make-A-Wish Foundation for the kids who are diagnosed with schizophrenia. And I'm assuming that whoever wrote it was saying all mental illness is never treated the same as a person with cancer or heart disease or something like that, where we just want to get rid of them or pretend they don't exist versus make a big deal about how they can fit into, you know, everyday life. Yeah, he, he directly says that to the camera, doesn't he? And that comes that's the only line in the movie where it came across to me. Like, they really wanted, like, ramrod it to you. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. When he says, like, cancer kids, uh, you know, he, yeah. he actually talks about, like, how he feels ignored with, the, with this, but everybody wants to help cancer kid. Yeah. But uh, again, I thought that which was isn't really... a lie. That is that's an astute observation. Yep. Um, the movie's surprisingly funny. Definitely. I mean, it's not just. It might sound really grim the way we're talking. <laughs> it about does. It. But it's not. It's it's actually quite uplifting and upbeat. And I bet you cried, didn't you? I cried. 
What, oh, I cried. What did you cry at specifically? I cried at that thought that there are so many people, again, you and I, we have, we all have issues. We all have things, but it's woven into our normal daily functioning as whatever society we're in, right? We're in America, middle America, you're British, I'm American. And our emotional, you've had traumas, I've had traumas, but we fold in our coping into a normal life. And there are people who cannot because everything around isn't made for them. I can go to work every day. I can get up, even if it's boring and monotonous and I get bored of it and all that shit. I can get up, get myself dressed. I'm not afraid of the world. I'm not, I can't, I don't go to work and can't function. I can make my money, pay my bills. I can be married to you without drama and dysfunction with relationship issues, with mental health. You know, we're okay in that. I mean, nobody's perfect. But there are people who cannot, and that every single time they wake up, they must be just like, fuck, you know, another day. Yeah. <laughs> One more fucking day I have to deal with. Everybody tells me I'm terrible. My wife hates me. My girlfriend hates me. My boyfriend hates me. Why do they hate me? Like, I don't even get it. I go to work and I can't fucking do my job. And I don't even understand why. That is terrible. And this movie does a good, job of a, a good job of showing you how Yeah, reminds hard it me is, of right? that, that yeah. we are extremely fortunate to be able to just sort of like weave our dysfunctions into a, you know, productive and satisfying. And I'm, I'm not a big believer in happy, happy, but I mean, we're happy in life, right? You can, you wake up in the morning and you're glad to be in your life. You're glad to be in your mind. And for people who don't have that option, or at least not yet, it's terribly sad. I know this movie, you know, also it's it's like a love story, but it's not typical. True. And he's you know trying, he's meeting this new girl, and he's getting on with her, and it shows you how that is hard because he, you know, he doesn't immediately like just spurt out. Oh, listen, I'm schizophrenic, so. Because he doesn't want her to be burdened with that's what she loves or doesn't love about him. Right. Yeah, I got that. I totally got that. Yeah, and then it, it, you could feel like, oh, he wants to tell her or he didn't want to tell her because, like, it, well, he says, doesn't he, it's like a burden. Like, he didn't exactly drop that on her and then she's, you know, has to deal with that all the time. So there's that part of it. And there's also the part that he's actually a really good cook mm -hmm. and he wants to be a chef and... It's a huge hurdle that he, you know, the, this thing, schizophrenia, it's not making his job of being a chef easy, is it? It's like, um. Right, because if he can be dangerous, obviously being able to function in a kitchen would be difficult. And just having to deal with everything that's in your mind versus being functional at a job. And then the medicine makes it so he can't taste things very good. So that. Kind of ruins There's that. There's a lot of complications to his life. Yeah. Including that, where you think, oh, well, he, she's like, oh, he's like, be honest. He, co he cooks or something, and he's like, be honest, and she's kind of like, <coughs> choking on it's it. It's a little he, spicy. But he can't tell because his medicine. And then he's like, angry with the, the medicine. Yeah. Because he's like, I can't be who I am. So, yeah, it's really, I really thought it was well portrayed. And it wasn't like sappy. Agree. Um, which it could have been, right? It could have been really, like, sappy, but I don't think it was. And I think there's a lot of layers to it, like the, his relationship with his mom and her, 
boyfriend is good. Yeah. Because that adds. I mean, I didn't like that guy, but I think that's how it was supposed to be. (laughs) I mean, it was it was purposely designed a certain way, wasn't it? But um, the cast here, I think, is what make you know. I think it's a fantastic cast across the board. We got Charlie Plummer, who we weren't even familiar with until like two weeks ago when we watched the movie Spontaneous. And to be honest, only play similar guy. It's very similar, just like it. I mean, this time he has to. Be more emotional. Yeah, definitely. I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I've only seen two of his movies, but I would watch more movies with him. You know, <laughs> I think he's really. He lays it out there. Like, there's a lot of motion in this movie. That's what I thought too. Yeah, he's just right in the moment. I like yeah. that. We've got um, Andy Garcia as Father Patrick. What did you think of Andy? He was fine. I mean, it's semi-generic. He's a priest who wants to help this kid. I mean, he's pretty, um, I don't know. I I felt like he did a really good job in this. Like usually sometimes I feel like he just kind of phones it in that guy. Really? Andy Mm. Garcia, listen to you. But, uh, (laughs) throwing down some, what's it called? Shade. Yeah. But in (laughs) this, I really felt like he had it figured out that priest character and how he was reacting, how he was dealing with this kid. Maybe he's very Catholic. Who knows? Maybe. We've got Taylor Russell as Maya, who's his, um, the girl he wants to have a romantic relationship with, I guess. She is from Lost in Space. You you might know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was excellent too. She was very good. Because she has things behind the scenes that we don't know about at first. That, uh, yeah, she has the stuff like, you know... Her mom is gone and her dad is struggling and she's got two little brothers and they don't have a lot of money. That's like the regular the standard stuff. Stu- yeah, the obstacles in life. And of obviously she's going to have emotional issues because of all that, right? But she's functioning. She's like the valedictorian of the class and all that kind of stuff. But her stuff means she has to really sort of overcompensate, right? Make extra money on the side and work an extra job and do really good in school and be there for her dad and all that kind of stuff. So she's got her own little world. And, and she's likes him because he's kind of different to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not to do with the schizophrenia. It's to do with just, he's kind of a, I wouldn't say awkward, but he's kind of keeps himself to himself and he's not like the other kids. He's not, he's also new to the school. Everybody, you know, that, there's that thing. It happened mm-hmm. to me when I was at school. Me too. I came to the school uh, halfway through the first year, so everybody knew everybody, and I was new kid. Oh. Hated that. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like big time. And that's kind of how, that's how it worked for him here, when he sat eating his lunch in there, on his own, in the um, canteen, and they're all looking at him like, who's that kid? Um, we've got... Anna Sophia Robb, who plays Rebecca, and she's like the hippy dippy girl in his head. <laughs> and she's the uh, young actress from Bridge to Terabithia, if you remember that movie. And we both do because we really liked it. Mm-hmm. We've got Molly Parker from Deadwood, who plays Mom Beth. Um, what do you think of Molly Parker? I always like her. She's very serious. She's very what I would call actorly. But I feel in this one, she, it was exactly the stage actually a little bit, but I felt like she did a good job of being sort of like the mom who just can't quite, there's not enough you can do for this kid, right? There's not enough because she's doing all the stuff. He doesn't know 
that she's staying up all night every night looking on the internet and like trying to contact places and all this stuff. And she's tired and she's not a hovering type of mommy mother. She doesn't play it that way. She's just tired. And I feel like she did a good job of coming off like that. And I did like uh, where you, there's a really cool like effect in this movie where when the voice in his head is talking to him, it's kind of like all around the room. Okay. Question. Was that Clancy Brown? I, I'm not sure. Cause I couldn't even find it in the, Oh, it might have been Andy Garcia too. Yeah, and modulated, like his voice is yeah. deepened or something. But, you know, he, whenever he hears something, he said, and there was one time where he heard that, like, he, you know, that his parents, like, he didn't want him. Yeah, like, exactly. Because they're going to have another kid, and, like, he, he was, like, pointless, kind of. And, you know, I can imagine that is one of the major things of mental illness just sure. be, beating yourself up right like it, your head is telling you shit that it's not really how it is but you feel that way yeah exactly so i think that that was where they'd done a good job of it and we got walter goggins as paul um i thought he was from deadwood but he's actually from the hateful eight and django unchained um and like you said you're kind of supposed to hate him. <laughs> you feel like you're supposed to dislike him because yeah. he seems like a bad guy. Because he's not dad. He's new boyfriend. Well, the dad abandoned them. Let's, right. let's forget. We can't forget I mean, that part. So you could say he is more of dad than dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is directed by Thor Thrudenthal. Right on, Thor. And uh, Thor directed episodes of Supergirl. Your fave. Episodes of Carnival Row, which is uh, the new... Orlando Bloom television series and episodes of The Flash. So he's a CW guy and I think he did a good job. And you might say this kind of comes across like a CW thing, you know? Yeah, it's pretty functional, but except with the, the imaginary, not, I don't want to say it's imaginary, but like what's in his head, there's some just little movie tricks here and there, but it doesn't come off like overly fantastic or anything. No, I think it's I think it's really well made, and there was a couple of times where I felt to myself, this is kind of imp- while while it's just a film, it's kind of important to have something like this out there. Okay, because there's an audience for everything, and there are people who feel certain ways, and this could really help somebody or uh, alert somebody to something, like oh my brother's kind of like that. What's the deal? True. You know what I mean? Like you're, so, you're very compassionate. So there was a couple of times where I felt important. It, it, it kept coming into my head. This kind of important, even well, though it's cool. just a film. Like, because uh, you know, there's most things are covered in films, right? Most uh, schizophrenia is not one I could hmm. like find loads of films about. Even you, you can, and it's always about like some serial killer who's schizophrenic. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> people will say, "Oh God, I'm mental health." Well. If it's okay for you to watch Dexter, who clearly has mental health issues, right. but it's not okay to watch a movie addressing the actual mental health issue, then maybe that's your problem and not the movie's problem. Yeah. So this movie, I, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um, it wasn't over, overly sappy, which I thought it would have been. And I thought it might have not tackled the subject quite on the nose enough, but it, it actually did. I mean, um, we don't suffer from that, but I would... It seems it like didn't it seem did. to shy away from like you know like oh well let's not mention the medicine because like you know people haven't you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. some some things try and shove things to the edge because they want to stay family friendly or true this kind of goes for it a bit 
I mean, it's not, he, there's one F word like there is in a PG. It's kind of powerful when he says the F word. Mm-hmm. I do like it when they kind of save it for a poignant moment. <laughs> Armageddon always comes to mind. There's one F word in Armageddon. And it's of course actually... it does. Because if anyone doesn't know, you're in love with Armageddon. And Billy Bob Thornton delivers. And Billy the... Bob Thornton. You're in love with Billy Bob and Armageddon. <laughs> we all know. We know. We know. So um, We love you anyway. <laughs> what um, is the IMDb reviews? The IMDb reviews are when you find reviews of people who write very low in numbers, like one little star, and you want to examine why they think that. Or make fun of them, or agree with them. One of those. Well, first up, I will say, there are no one-star reviews for this movie. Interesting. So we'll have to go for two stars. That's very weird, isn't it? And there's only one with two stars. And the, okay. two, the guy who gives it two stars says, Cliché and tired. This is just a teen angst film about a kid with schizophrenia. That's all he so says. So what? So what? <laughs> all right, let's go for three stars. Then. No three stars. No four stars. So there's only like one review of this movie in the world. No five stars. No six stars. And there are a lot of seven stars. Okay. Um. So no, I don't want to read the seven star ones because... Uh, <laughs> That seems no, a little high for you. <laughs> not let's read. Let's read a ten out of ten. This person gives it ten out of ten. Oh my! And they say, "I drove home in silence." And he says, "Without relying on an A-list cast or a soundtrack of radio hits." Actually, the whole soundtrack is by the Chainsmokers. So um, there's that too. This film left me speechless after listening to one song on the way home. I decided to drive the rest of the way home with no music on. I was left in awe of the way this film made me feel hopeful. Never in my life, as an avid moviegoer, have I loved or rooted for a character as much as I did watching this. It's a definite must-see, and a film I will be sharing, talking about, and returning to for years to come. I always cry in movies, and this was a new level of crying, in the best way. Thank you to all those involved for the powerful performances and gripping plot points which made this movie so important to my life. Maybe we should read seven-star reviews more often. That's very This thoughtful. one's ten. Ten out of ten. Ten's That's more like someone took the time Somebody to loves say it. all this stuff. And there was another guy who said, I'm usually not a big fan of teen love stories, and I thought this was going to be one of those. But this movie is so much more than that. It's informative. It's about family. It's about accepting who you are. It's about love, and it's fabulous, and it was the perfect movie to see for my first trip back to the theatres in six uh-huh. months from COVID. The acting was amazing. I love how the actors look like real people and not just some social media influencers. I cried, I laughed, this movie's just what I needed, and you need to see it too. People who write a 10-star are really, like, passionate. They're making the effort, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not saying I, I don't... I, you can't take away from what people experience can you when they watch a movie no um extras on the blu-ray there's actually a a still image gallery we were a little bit like what i wanted extras i wanted to know more about this writer and wait for this though for a fantastic extra there's the still image gallery which is awesome obviously and secondly the theatrical trailer hey that's quite the bonus (laughs) what the heck that's it so if you're looking for extras or anything about schizophrenia, which I assume there would be something about it in, you know, there's nothing. So thanks for that. 
<laughs> but conclusion, I'm going to give this movie a 8 out of 10. Dang, me too. <laughs> because I think it does what it sets out to do. Yeah. And I think there's good performances all across the board and the way they handle the visuals of schizophrenia. I really enjoyed it. it was me too. The the smoky black cloud that kind of fogs him up when he's trying to do something. You know. And I think that if you have other anxiety issues that if you've been in public and all of a sudden you can't or wherever you are and it overwhelms your mind, I think it's a similar experience. Yeah. And this, you know, it goes kind of cinematic at times with the people in his head. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it, it makes sense for what it, what it is. And even the people who play the people in his head do a good job of being... It's like he's created, like, three different things inside his head that, that help him in three different ways or hinder him sometimes. Exactly. So um, that is Words on Bathroom Walls. It's available now. Let's just say... The words on bathroom walls does not really fit the movie. It's no. in there, but it's like, what? It doesn't even... So let that go when you're watching it. Don't think about it. There is <laughs> a word. Like, there is some words on bathroom walls. Don't yeah, but it's wrong. nothing. It's nothing. It's very weird, I think. Um, so thank you to Lionsgate for letting us review it. Movie recommendations. I am going on the... Like I do. I'm going on this movie. So I'll recommend to you a movie we reviewed about two or three weeks ago, Spontaneous with Charlie Plummer. It's a different type mm-hmm. of movie to this one. For sure. But it was real. that was another really good 2020 movie. And my other one is Bridge to Terabithia, <laughs> which also stars Anna-Sophia Robb from this movie. And um, that's kind of a movie about mental health, right? Yeah. I mean, it's about coping, like yeah. a boy coping with issues. Yeah. For sure. Which is also what, like, Chronicles of Narnia is as well. The kids, True. Kids coping. dealing with the war. And yeah. I mean, things where kids have to escape uh, into their imagination. But, of course, that one's real. In, or is it? <laughs> it's that kind of thing, isn't it? So, um, they're mine. Bridge to Terabithia and Spontaneous. Mine are Never Was, which also deals with potential mental illness or not you never know it's got gandalf in it and the guy from thank you for not smoking and two-face i realized aaron eckhart he's also two-face isn't he or whatever that guy's called him batman yes he is one of the batman worlds whatever christopher nolan Batman. right and my other one is where the wild things are yep because another one where you're coping you know someone's coping with difficulties emotional and is it is everything in their head real or not? And So Jay- there's a lot of movies out there about it. Just not directly like this one. No, this one's more less fantastical and more kind of, you know, you can relate to it more because it's just, it's not in the fantasy realm at all, is it? It's apart from seeing things in his head. Right, but that's not fantasy so much as a product Right. Like of his of what's going on in his you know, in his own brain. So uh, a scully stuff this week. I actually finished Spider Man Miles Morales the game. Um, it was pretty short to be honest. Um, probably why it was cheaper than a regular PlayStation <laughs> game. What I think happened is the they made that Spider Man game in 2017, Spider Man, and then at the end of the Spider Man game, when you finish it. 
There's a bit of a cutscene that in, that kind of talks about Miles and shows you Peter meeting Miles. And I was like, well, they'll probably do some DLC down the line where you play as Miles Morales. But I think that was supposed to be DLC and then they kind of fleshed it out and made it a game. But the game's not quite as long as Spider-Man and I think there's like six or seven missions. If you went straight through the story and didn't do any of the collecting stuff, you'd probably finish it in two hours. So it is quite short. But if you really like the Spider-Man game from 2017, it's like it's better than that game in the gameplay-wise because they've kind of spruced up the combat a bit. The story's really good. It's a lot of... um, Miles is very different to Peter, you know? Mm-hmm. He, and he's more, he's kind of, he's more street smart and he likes music. There's a lot of rap music while he's swinging and stuff, which actually relates to him, like in the lyrics. They got, um, you know, Will Smith's kid. Mm-hmm. He does the music, uh, the rapping and the music in it. So, and the, it's not just like they took Will Smith's kid and got him, got some of his records and stuck <laughs> them in. They're actually about, spider-man and about how he you know at first when miles becomes the spider-man the people in harlem which is where he's from they don't really respect him they're like well that other spider-man he's our spider-man he's been around for years right you're just a kid we can't really get behind you so the whole story is about him trying to make his home you know what is it district is harlem a district that's a borough. Borough, that's that's correct. Borough. So <laughs> thanks. He, he lives there and he's the Spider-Man there and he's trying to be accepted basically by the people, you know, and throughout events during the game when he you know, it's a Spider-Man game. He's protecting the city. Some bad guy's going to take shit down and he's probably going to save, you know, we all know how superhero stuff goes. Yep. So we that's We all his, know. That's his arc about like finding himself and being and the reason he is the Spider-Man for this period of time is Peter goes away with MJ for a few weeks and decides it's time for Miles to protect the city. He, he, then he buggers off for two weeks, apparently abroad. That's why he can't come back and help. You're still talking about Mary Jane? <laughs> yeah, even though he is Peter is Spider-Man, I'm assuming he could just web himself like across... He could still get back if he needed to, right? Sure. You would think. Wouldn't even need to get on a plane. He can swing. I don't know. He doesn't come back to help, though. And when the shit really is the fan, which it does on Miles' watch, Miles has to save the city himself. And then, you know, at the end of the game, when Peter does come back, conveniently, after it's all ended, they team up and become the two Spider-Men in the city, and they're both looked at as uh, equals. So I like that story. And uh, it kind of sets it up for some more Spider-Man. There's always going to be more Spider-Man, right? Oh, sure. The other thing I've been... Uh, I've been listening to the audiobook of Ready Player Two. Ready Player One is one of my favorite books of all time, I would say. And uh, now there's a sequel, Ready Player Two. I thought I'd listen to the audiobook because I got um, an Audible free book. Actually, that's a bit of a loophole, actually. If you want to read... Or get an audiobook, for instance, of the latest book that you're interested in. They cost about 40 Do you realize that audiobooks cost $40 each? I do not. What is that? Why are they so expensive? <laughs> I don't know. I know they last like 20 hours or whatever, but $40? 
It's more than a movie on Blu-ray. Anyway, it costs $40. There's no way I'm paying $40 for an audiobook. It's crazy. But Audible, have, if you've never actually used Audible, or you have in the past and maybe it expired and you didn't use it again, they have a thing now where you can sign up um, for a free trial for 30 days and choose any book to keep. So you can take Ready Player 2, keep it. You don't need to keep the um, subscription. You can just listen to it. So there's a if you were thinking of getting paying forty dollars, you don't have to sneak, you know, back door. Anyway, I'm about halfway through Ready Player Two, really enjoying it. Um, what was my complaint? I said to you earlier in Ready Player One, um, there's a lot of references to things you know, and it's really cool. Like you know, it's it the whole book kind of. You might have seen the movie. We've reviewed the movie, but the whole book. Um, hinges on, like, nostalgia of things that you know from the 80s. Well, in Ready Player One, he referenced so many things. In this book, it feels like he ran out of things and he had to reference more obscure things. So what happens is you're like, sometimes you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, gotcha. he's like, there's a game from 1978 made by Sega and it was the such and such, and you're like, I know Sega... I know it's 1978, but I have never heard of this game you're talking about. <laughs> and then he goes into like a three-chapter quest, which takes place inside a game that you don't know. Like, So that's where I was like, well, this was fun in the first book when you were inside Pac-Man, but I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> so, so I feel like he might have blew his load in the first one. Like everything that was cool, he already mentioned it. And now it's like, oh shit, can't mention it again. But that's Ready Player Two. I, I believe it's already been optioned to be made into a movie. So we might see a movie down the line. Don't know if Steven Spielberg will do it this time, but I bet we see a movie of it. Uh, I've also been playing some more American Truck Simulator, riding around Colorado, which is really fun. Colorado looks a lot different to all the other states, is what I've noticed. Do you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the what is. That's kind of the idea. It's mountains and um, trees. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's mainly that's a very you know basic description of. But in the game, when I'm when I'm trundling around in my truck around Las Vegas, it's very different to Colorado. So Colorado just looks really cool. Like, um, I also got like this bit. There's another expansion pack for American Truck Simulator that gives you like more complicated loads to pull, like really long um, trailers that are like three or four times the length of a normal trailer. And that adds uh, hilarity to the mix, actually. Not really hilarity, but when you pull in a trailer and you go r- around a corner in traffic and your trailer is, what, like 30 feet long, maybe more than I that? don't even know. They're pretty long. Um, and you've got to think, yeah, I'm going around the corner, but what the hell is 30 foot over there doing? Is that knocking into a car or not? Like, What's going on with my back end? Yeah, it's really, it's tricky. I, I admire um, truck drivers. It's got to be a Do you find you admire them more now that you have played this game? Yes, because it's, as you've seen, you've seen this game, it's very, mm-hmm. it's very um, realistic. Like they have the, I mean, it looks real like you're driving down the road. I mean, it doesn't look cartoonish. You know, so, and the actual obstacles that they have to deal with, like when you have to pull into like a city and then go around downtown with a massive trailer, it's just nuts. 
because there's cars everywhere and people. I don't know how they do it. But that's Truck Sim, um, available on Steam. And we also watched Mandalorian yesterday. Uh, this season is just unbelievable, right? It's really good. I always like it, so. Uh, and last night, Ahsoka turned up. It was awesome. I'm not as emotionally attached to these I, Star Wars people as you, but well, I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and we also learned the name of a Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't tell everybody. It was good. I, I feel fulfilled after I've watched it. Like, even if it is just a little side adventure sometimes, sometimes it's like, oh, here we go. Here's the Mandalorian. Oh, he's got to get this thing and bring this thing back. But it always takes you somewhere really crazy or there's some... Like last week, we had like the speeder chase and the TIE fighters coming after him. This week was like very story orientated more mm-hmm. than action. I appreciate the whole thing, Mandalorian. I think it's some of the best Star Wars there's ever been. It's the TV show of Star Wars, and it's it's becoming my favorite. Mm, that's big, big talk. Um, and that's it. So what's for dinner? What do you want? I want an Impossible Burger. I'm going to put it in the microwave. <laughs> So you want me to get it and then leave it out for a while? Or have you found a new trick to enjoying your... Yeah. No matter what, um, Impossible Burger from Burger King with fries, even if you're very quick bringing it home, it's never hot when you eat it, is it? Nope. Nothing ever is. I don't know why. Nothing ever is. It's not like it's freezing cold in your car. Nope. And it takes me maybe 12 minutes to get home. So is this device called a microwave oven? (laughs) And uh, last week I shoved it in there for what What was it? 30 seconds or a bit more maybe? Uh, 40 I think. Stuck the whole burger and fries in there and it was really good. Because I'd been eating it cold, not cold, but room temperature every week. Car temperature. It's not the same, is it? <laughs> it's not the same. And when it's warm, it's, oh, it's good. Listen to you. You're like, you're like a raving fan of a heated up... Microwave impossible burger. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you happy, hey, I'm what, into it. What's your advice? And then we'll leave. Uh, my advice is, uh, I don't know if it's advice. It's observational yet again. But, you know, you can, I don't believe in unconditional love. I think that that's somebody made that shit up and even mothers will claim they have unconditional love. I don't believe that's true. Um there would be conditions under which the child that you brought into this world, you might struggle with the love, right? Real extreme shit. So I don't believe in the unconditional love people are used to talking about. But you can have complete love for someone, respect them, care about them. You would die for them. They are your whole life, right? Like, that's your life. And still, it's okay to point out to that person when they're full of shit, or when they're lying, or when they're doing something that is inappropriate, or when you just want to call them on their bullshit, it doesn't mean you love them less. I know a lot of people have been brainwashed into thinking that if someone tells you the truth, right, you're behaving in a way that's inappropriate, or hurtful, or whatever it is, that that means you go down a notch in the love department or that somehow you're losing their love, but you're not. If anything, if I tell you the truth because I feel like you're struggling or the people around you are struggling and there's possibly a way for you to find a way to not be doing that or saying that or feeling that or maybe just 
take a breath, you know, and like, whatever. If I'm willing to do that, and knowing that you might reject me because of it, it's because I love you. It's because I care more about you and how you think about your life and maybe even how the world sees you than I care about how much you want me around. Like if, if you're willing to reject me because I've told you the truth about something negative about yourself, maybe. Right. I'm willing to then you just reject me. That's fine. I've told you. That's it. I can deal with that. But I just feel like so many people think unconditional love, and I'm doing quotation marks in the air, means you can never criticize someone or say to them, why are you telling me this story? I'm super bored right now. Like, do I have to listen to this joke again? You know, like, it's like, there's nothing wrong with being honest with people and loving them at the same time. So that's it. Well said. Well versed. Well, <laughs> write it down in your book, everybody. I'm sure somebody out there is keeping track of all my wisdom, and they've got to be. It's so valuable. Of course, they are. <laughs> um, so you can catch us on aschoolie.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. This podcast is on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, also Spotify. Where else? I don't know where all you put your stuff, your junk. I don't know where your junk lives All in the, the world. All the places where podcasts are available. All the places. You can email me at aschooly, aschooly.com. Don't email Sid Talks. She hates you all. Is that true? That is not true. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, <laughs> think for yourselves or someone will do it for you. And stay classy. Uh, Charlie Plummer, who's uh, a great actor. I like him. <laughs>